Listen to any earnings call with the Borstar Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Tencent Holdings Limited 2018 Second Quarter and Interim Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. There will be a presentation followed by the question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone to join the question queue. Your name will be announced when it is your turn to ask a question. If you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound or hash key. I must advise you that this conference is re- being recorded today. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host today, Ms. Jane Yip from Tencent. Please go ahead, Ms. Yip. Thank you. Good evening. Welcome to our 2018 second quarter and interim results conference call. I'm Jane Yip from the IR team of Tencent. Before we start the presentation, we would like to remind you that it includes forward-looking statements, which are underlined by a number of risks and uncertainties, and may not be realized in the future for various reasons. Information about general market conditions is coming from a variety of sources outside of Tencent. This presentation also contains some unaudited, non-GAAP financial measures that should be considered in addition to, but not as a substitute for, measures of the company's financial performance prepared in accordance with IFRS. For a detailed discussion of risk factors and non-GAAP measures, please refer to our disclosure documents on the IR section of our website. Let me introduce the management team on the call tonight. We have our chairman and CEO, Pony Ma, President Martin Nau, Chief Strategy Officer James Mitchell, and Chief Financial Officer John Lowe. Pony will kick off with a short overview. Martin will discuss strategic highlights. James will speak to business overview. And John will go through the financials before we take your questions. I will now turn the call over to Pony. Thank you, Jane. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. In the second quarter of 2018, we continue to deepen user engagement across our social games and media platforms with solid year-on-year growth in daily active users and time spent in our vision platform, mobile games, and video platform. We have also invested heavily in our news feed, short video, and mini video products and have seen significant growth in them. Let me highlight the key financial numbers. Total revenue was 73.7 billion RMB, up 30% year-on-year, and stable quarter-on-quarter. Non-GAAP operating profit was 22.3 billion RMB, up 11% year-on-year, or down 12% quarter-on-quarter. Non-GAAP net profit achievable to shareholders was 19.7 billion RMB, up 20% year-on-year, and up 8% quarter-on-quarter. John will provide more details in the financial section. Moving to our key platforms, combined MAU of WeChat and WeChat increased 9.9% year-on-year to 1.06 billion. As we are building a vibrant Linux programs ecosystem with higher developer and user adoption, further strengthening the user engagement of platforms. Total MAU for QQ was 803 million. Smart devices MAU was 709 million, up 7% year on year. Our news feed service, QQ Kandian, further grew its active user and time spent. 
Our social network services, QZone Smart Devices MAU was 543 million. In games, we strengthened our leadership in mobile and PC. We increased our smartphone games market share in terms of DAU. User time spent and engagement increased in key genres, including tactical tournaments, action, shooter, and mobile. We also expand our user base globally, benefiting from the success of AOV and PUBG Mobile. For media business, we maintained our leadership in online video, news, music services, and literature. We solidified our leadership in long-form video platform with a higher mobile DAU, user engagement, and also larger subscriber base. In FinTech, our mobile payment system uh, service deepened uh, penetration in verticals such as fast food chains and supermarkets. We continue to be the market leader in terms of DAU driven by rapid growth of offline uh, commercial transactions. In mobile utilities, we remain uh, industry leader in mobile security, mobile browser, and Android app store in China. With that, I will pass to Martin to discuss strategic highlights. Thank you, Tony, and uh, good evening and good morning to everybody. Uh, I would first start the section by addressing a very popular question, which is the trend of user engagement in our core platforms, especially given the popularity of short videos and mini videos recently in the market. The quick answer is that we have seen increasing engagement in our social platform, games platform, video platform, as well as strong growth in our media feeds. Now, starting from social, Weijin recorded solid growth in terms of users, time spent, and activities. As the largest social communication platform in China, Weijin continues to add daily active users and per-user messages, both delivering uh, double-digit growth rates year-on-year. In particular, users are spending more time in moments, as well as mini-games within Weijin. Through increasing popularity of mini programs and Weixin Pay, Weixin is getting involved in more vertical use cases online and offline, enabling us to increase the value of our engagement that is not entirely dependent on time spent. I will elaborate more on mini programs in the next two slides. In the area of video, user consumption of long-form video content continues to ramp up, driven by IP-based original content in drama, reality shows, and Chinese anime. For mobile, daily active user increased 24% year-on-year, daily videos viewed up 53% year-on-year, and total time spent up 39% year-on-year during the second quarter, solidifying our position as the leading video platform in China. In terms of media feeds, our recommended feeds are getting higher hits due to better algorithm and enhanced content offering. These media feeds are strategically placed in our large DAU products so as to provide more convenient access to users. Currently, QQ Kandian and Mobile QQ Browser host our largest feeds products, and in aggregate, they increase daily page views by 55% and daily short videos view by more than three times year on year. Now, moving on to the next two slides, I will discuss the rapid adoption of mini programs. 
and how it is enabling our payment business and enriching our O2O ecosystem. Mini Program is an innovative platform building situation, facilitating discovery and consumption of services. For developers, Mini Program offers an open platform with powerful features to make programming easier and more efficient. These programs will run immediately upon scanning a unique Mini Program QR code, connecting offline services to online engagement. Supported by Weishin Pay, advertising, and cloud capabilities, Mini Programs can provide a seamless, closed loop experience for users. Since its launch in early 2017, we've done a lot to educate developers and users about the potential capabilities of mini programs, including partnering with colleges to host coding classes for students and developers. Rapid adoption took off early this year, with a growing number of developers creating mini programs for their own companies, as well as system integrators developing mini programs for their clients. Benefiting from the expanding categories of mini programs, which include various services such as mini games, tools, and offline services, we grew daily active users of mini programs to more than 200 million. Sharing in our social network facilitated user acquisition, while highly popular mini games further accelerated adoption and engagement. Mini programs are great for discovery and quick actions. And are complementary to full function native apps by increasing download and traffic to them. In terms of some examples on how mini programs expand penetration across different representative use cases, I provided four of them. Number one, in transportation sector, our internally developed transport payment solution called Tencent Smart Transit QR Code enables public transport operators to achieve higher processing efficiency, reduce cost, and utilize data for service planning. We have rolled out our payment solution in over 90 cities across the country. Some operators simply adopted our payment QR code, while others developed their own mini programs with additional functionalities, as well as advertising to broaden their revenue streams. In the area of smart retail, Mini programs help merchants shorten in-store checkout time, facilitate order for home delivery, and provide targeted product promotions via embedded links to official accounts. Many retailers find these capabilities extremely useful as they seek to digitize their businesses and engage with customers online. Our scan-to-buy function is increasingly adopted in shopping malls, supermarkets, and convenience stores. In the restaurant sector, pre-ordering mini programs help operators increase efficiency and sales by cutting queuing time, reduce labor costs as customers switch to ordering online. They can also reward customers with integrated e-loyalty program. Mini programs are widely adopted in fast food chains, cafes, and casual eateries across China. In the mini game sector, developers can expand user reach and acquire users via multi-channels such as Weishin Game Center, search within Weishin, or social referral. Given its easy-to-play and light experience, minigames help developers to accumulate users and traffic and monetize via advertising and virtual items sell on Android. In the second quarter, we introduced ads and minigames and drew enthusiastic responses from advertisers. Advertising revenue was up five times quarter on quarter. Now with that, I'll pass to James to talk about business review. Thank you, Martin, and good morning and good evening to everybody. 
In the second quarter of 2018, our revenue grew 30% year-on-year. VAS represented 57% of our revenue, within which online games contributed 34%, and social networks 23%. Online advertising was 19% of our total revenue, and the others segments accounted for 24% of our total revenue. Within the others segment, where revenue was up 81% year-on-year, our payment-related businesses sustained strong growth as we rapidly expanded our offline commercial payment volume and related services, and despite a quarter-on-quarter reduction in interest income from restricted custodian deposits. Under PBOC's guidelines, we expect that by January next year, we'll no longer generate interest income from restricted custodian deposits, and John will discuss the details in the financial section. Our cloud services revenue doubled year-on-year as our paying client base increased significantly. We deepened penetration in key sectors, including finance, smart retail, and municipal services. We also invested in and formed strategic partnerships with certain systems integrators to offer customized cloud services and broaden our penetration offline. For value-added services, segment revenue was 42.1 billion RMB, up 14% year-on-year, though down 10% quarter-on-quarter. Our social network revenue was 16.9 billion RMB, up 30% year-on-year, but down 7% quarter-on-quarter. Total VAS subscriptions grew 30% year-on-year to 154 million subscribers, as our video subscription count more than doubled. Our revenue grew strongly year-on-year, driven by video subscriptions and the increased monetization of music live broadcast services. However, sequentially, game-related item sales reduced sharply, following our reported smartphone game revenue reduction, which offset growth in digital content revenue and resulted in the net quarter-on-quarter revenue decline. Our online games revenue was 25.2 billion RMB. Revenue decelerated to 6% year-on-year growth and declined 12% quarter-on-quarter. Non-monetization of popular tactical tournament games in China was the main reason behind the year-on-year quarter-on-quarter deteriorations. However, during the quarter, we grew our smartphone game DAU in China by a double-digit percentage year-on-year, expanding the foundation for our smartphone game business's long-term growth and creating future monetization opportunities. In overseas markets, our games Arena Rovada and PUBG Mobile expanded their user bases and monetization. In social networks, we continue to grow our mobile payment activities, leveraging our social platforms. At the end of June, we surpassed 800 million mobile payment MAUs. Our average daily transaction volume increased over 40% year-on-year, and benefiting from the expansion of use cases, our offline commercial payment volume increased 280% year-on-year. Commercial payment volume exceeded half of total transaction volume for the first time. In overseas markets, we prioritize use cases of Chinese outbound travelers, such as duty-free shopping and tax refunds, and in Hong Kong, we launched a local wallet authorized by the HKMA. Shifting to Weisho, which is our aggregation platform providing mini-videos conveniently to our users, both via existing services as well as via our Weisho-branded mobile app. During the quarter, Weisho aggregated appealing content, including clips from our self-commissioned variety show, Produce 101, and added innovative features such as artificial intelligence-based beautification tools and online voting functionality. Thanks to our content library and new features, we saw robust growth in daily mini-video views, particularly on Candian and QZone, as well as in the way you brands it out itself. We more than doubled our long-form video subscription base year-on-year to 74 million subscribers as of the end of June. We also continued to lead peers by mobile DAU and daily video views, solidifying our position as the number one online video platform in China. 
among non-game apps, Tencent Video ranks number one in the China iOS top grossing chart and number two in the global iOS top grossing chart during the period. Our growth benefited from exclusive content in key verticals, including drama series, online variety shows, and Chinese anime. In drama, Legend of Fuyao, a historical romance created out of a China literature IP, generated about 14 billion video views in total and was the most popular exclusive drama series in the first half of the year. For online variety shows, our self-commissioned talent program, Produce 101, achieved over 5 billion video views, a new record for an online variety show in China. And in Chinese anime, we've built up experience producing IP-based anime series which attract a large audience of loyal fans. And as a result, we more than doubled our anime traffic year on year. For example, Land of Warriors has accumulated over 3.5 billion video views and is the most popular of its kind since its debut in January. On the product operations front, we're increasing the appeal of our video subscriptions through initiatives such as allowing users to gift subscriptions to our friends. And we're extending the distribution of our video subscriptions through cross-promotions with partners. For smartphone games, revenue was 17.6 billion RMB, up 19% year-on-year, due primarily to action games in honor of Kings. But revenue declined 19% quarter-on-quarter as first, users shifted time to non-monetized tactical tournament games. Second, we launched five out of the seven new games late in the quarter. And third, during the pre-examination season, we prioritized user retention and engagement several of our big existing titles. However, thanks largely to the breakout popularity of our tactical tournament games, we believe our China, game, China mobile game market share increased year on year and increased quarter on quarter in terms of daily active users and time spent. Looking ahead, we're working on multiple fronts to reinvigorate our revenue growth, including first, expanding overseas. Arena of Valor, a vast arena game developed by our Timmy studio, has over 13 million daily active users outside China, with particular popularity in Southeast Asia, and it achieved over 200 million US dollars in user spend in the first half of the year. PUBG Mobile, a tactical tournament game developed by our Quantum Studio, has over 14 million DAU outside China, with particular popularity in Western markets as well as in India, and it's achieved about 20 million US dollars user spending per month in recent months, benefiting from seasonal passes. Second, boosting our existing game performance and monetization. In particular, we're seeking the approvals required for monetizing tactical tournament games in order to realize the revenue potential of these games, which we believe will be substantial given their large player bases and intense player activity. And we're also finding ways to deepen user activity in existing hit titles, such as Honor of Kings, which remain China's top game in terms of users and revenue. Third, launching new games in high RQ categories. For example, MT4, a role-playing game based on a well-known IP, has consistently ranked top three in iOS China top grossing charts since we launched it in July. And our in-house developed RPG, Saint Seiya, has ranked top five in iOS China top grossing charts since we launched it in August. Moving to PC client games, revenue was 12.9 billion RMB, down 5% year-on-year and down 8% quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year decline reflected the ongoing trend of users shifting time to mobile games, on a quarterly basis, revenue was impacted by the same trend as well as weak seasonality. However, our leading titles performance showed resilience supported by loyal user bases as well as esports and other offline events. For example, Dungeon & Fighter celebrated its 10th anniversary in June, demonstrating our ability to sustain and grow a game franchise over a decade. We engaged users via in-game marketing activities and during the Labor Day holiday and an anniversary celebration gala offline 
driving up revenue and paying use accounts. League of Legends held its mid-season invitational eSports event in May in which a Chinese team, RNG, won, uh, benefiting DAUs in China. League of Legends DAUs were up quarter on quarter in China and flat quarter on quarter globally, despite adverse season, summer seasonality. We look forward to publishing several innovative titles in coming months and quarters. For example, we've accumulated over 10 million pre-registrations in China for Fortnite, the tactical tournament game developed by our investee Epic Games. Moving on to our online advertising business, revenue in the second quarter was 14.1 billion renminbi, up 39% year-on-year and up 32% quarter-on-quarter. Our media advertising revenue was 4.7 billion renminbi, up 16% year-on-year and up 43% quarter-on-quarter. Video advertising revenue continues to grow as we generated more sponsorship revenue from popular programs. When we self-commission content, we can target the most appropriate advertisers and develop attractive ad formats early in the production process. Our news advertising revenue declined by a high single-digit percentage year-on-year year from the high base points last year, but following the completion of our ad system revamp, we resumed news feed ad placement within our news services in the second quarter, which, along with positive seasonality, contributed to a strong quarter-on-quarter quarter rebound. Our social and others advertising revenue was 9.4 billion renminbi, up 55% year-on-year, mainly due to three factors. First, in Weixin, we added a second feed ad per use day and moments, as well as new inventories and mini-programs. Second, we saw robust growth in impressions in and advertiser demand for our mobile ad network. And third, we generated more news feed traffic in QP Candian, driving up impressions volume. Sequentially, social and others advertising revenue grew 27% quarter on quarter, benefiting from positive seasonality as well as the factors above. And with that, I'll pass on to John to go through the financials. Thank you, James. Hello, everyone. For the second quarter of 2018, our total revenue was 73.7 billion renminbi, up 30% year-on-year or stable quarter and quarter. Gross profit was 34.4 billion renminbi, up 22% year-on-year or down 7% quarter and quarter. Net other gains was 2.5 billion renminbi for the second quarter. On a year-on-year basis, it mainly reflected decline in net gains from investing companies and high impairment provision for certain investments. These two outcomes, however, are all non-gap adjustments. Share of profit of associates and joint venture was 1.5 billion renminbi in the quarter, versus share of losses of 319 million renminbi last quarter. The Q1Q change was mainly due to increasing profit contribution from Epic due to the success of Fortnite in overseas markets. On a non-gap basis, share of profit of associates and joint venture was 2.8 billion renminbi for the second quarter. Income tax expense was approximately 3.6 billion renminbi, down 9% year-on-year or down 37% quarter-on-quarter, primarily due to lower withholding tax. Effective tax rate for the quarter was 16.2%. Net profit attributable to shareholders was 17.9 billion renminbi, down 2% year-on-year or down 23% quarter-on-quarter. I will walk you through our non-GAAP financial numbers. For the second quarter and after adjustments to non-GAAP, operating profit for the quarter was 22.3 billion renminbi 
up 11% year-on-year or down 12% quarter-on-quarter. Operating margin was 30.2%, down 5.2 uh, percentage points year-on-year or down 4.2 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. Net profit to shareholders was 19.7 billion RMB, up 20% year-on-year or up 8% quarter-on-quarter. Net margin was 27.8%, down 1.3 percentage points year-on-year or up 1.8 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. Let's turn to segment gross margin. Gross margin for value-added services was 59%, down 1.6 percentage points year-on-year or 4.3 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. The decreases mainly reflected the revenue mix shift from games to lower margin digital content subscriptions and live broadcast services, as well as the rising content costs of such businesses. Gross margin for online advertising was 37.4%, stable on year-on-year basis, or up 6.2 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. The quarter-on-quarter increase was mainly driven by increased advertising revenue due to positive seasonality. Gross margin for others was 24.9%, up 2.5 percentage points year-on-year or stable quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year increase was mainly due to growth in revenues from micro-loan business, interest income related to restricted custodian deposits, and fees charged from credit card repayment. PBOC has gradually stepped up the centralized deposit ratio requirement for third-party online payment services providers just like ourselves, where we are required to move restricted custodian deposits to non-interest-bearing accounts. The ratio was increased from 32% in March to 42% for the second quarter, and finally up to 100% by January 2019. As such, interest income recognized under other segment has dropped to low teens percentage of other segment revenue for the second quarter and will continue to impact on segment revenues and margins. We are seeking to mitigate the impact through various monetization initiatives in our payment and related businesses, these including growing our internet finance revenue, such as micro-loans, and wealth management products, which carry higher margins than payment business, as well as managing marketing expenses. Moving on to operating expenses. Selling marketing expenses will 6.4 billion RMB, up 74% year-on-year, or 14% quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year increase mainly reflected greater marketing spending in our products and platforms such as online games online media, payment-related services, and mobile utilities. The sequential increase was driven by seasonally more advertising and promotional activities in the second quarter. As a percentage of revenue, selling and marketing expenses increased to 8.6% for the second quarter. GNA expenses, excluding R&D, were 4.1 billion RMB, up 5% year-on-year, or down 7% quarter-on-quarter. Under GNA, R&D expenses were 5.7 billion RMB, up 35% year-on-year, or 14% quarter-on-quarter. 
Both year-on-year and quarter-on-quarter increases of G&A expense were mainly due to greater R&D expenses and staff costs. As a percentage of revenue, total G&A was 13.4% and R&D was 7.8%. At the end of second quarter, we had over 48,600 employees. The year-on-year increase of 20% was mainly due to our expanded business scope, in particular online games and crowd businesses. Let's go through margin ratios for the second quarter. Gross margin was 46.8%, down 3.2 percentage points year-on-year, or 3.6 percentage points quarter-on-quarter, mainly reflecting the revenue mixed changes among segments and reduced gross margin of VAS as mentioned previously. Non-GAAP operating margin was 30.2%, down 5.2 percentage points year-on-year, or 4.2 percentage points quarter-on-quarter due to lower gross margin and higher marketing spend. Non-GAAP net margin was 27.8%, down 1.3 percentage points year-on-year, or up 1.8 percentage points sequentially, which fell to a lesser extent due to the margin pickup from share of profit of associates and income tax expense, as mentioned earlier. Let me share some key financial metrics with you before rounding up this presentation. <coughs> For the second quarter, total capex was 7.1 billion renminbi, up 135% year-on-year, or 12% quarter-on-quarter. Operating capex was 6.6 billion renminbi, increased by 183% year-on-year, as we reserved more servers to augment business growth. Non-operating capex was 495 billion renminbi. Free cash flow was 15.4 15.4 billion RMB, down 12% year on year or up 18% quarter on quarter. At the end of the quarter, our net debt position was 35.3 billion RMB compared to net debt of 14.5 billion RMB last quarter. We turned to net debt position in 2018 mainly due to increased strategic M&A investments amounting to US dollar 7 billion in the first quarter. We have moderated the pace of M&A activities in the second quarter, reducing to around $3 billion US dollars net payments. We will continue to review and evaluate the needs in monetizing our investments, such as mobile and early mile, which we disposed recently. The fair value of our listed investing companies, excluding subsidiaries, of course, were approximately $248 billion remedy of approximately 36.2 billion US dollars as a quarter end, up from 146 billion RMB a year ago. Thank you. We shall now open the floor for questions. Operator, we will take one question each time. So we'll invite the first question now. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you wish to ask questions, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press the power or hash key. The first question comes from the line of Eddie Leung from Bank of America, Marie Lynch. Please ask a question. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, I, I guess uh, the first one is uh, about uh, the uh, current situation of the mobile game approval process in China. Uh, just wonder if you guys could uh, help us to understand if the current situation has affected you 
and uh, what are some of the measures that uh, we are implementing to handle the situation. Uh, and then uh, secondly, um, a, a quick question about your uh, video advertising business. I remember last quarter uh, there was a very strong year-on-year -year growth. But it seems like uh, we, we saw some deceleration in the uh, second quarter, uh, even on the back of uh, Produce 101. Uh, so just curious if uh, uh, the uh, so-called like, cannibalization from the subscription basis is a reason, and uh, uh, would, uh, would this be the norm going forward? Uh, namely, we will be seeing strong uh, subscription growth, but perhaps uh, slow down in uh, video advertising. Uh, thank you. Okay, Eddie, thank you very much for your questions. Uh, let me first address your first question uh, regarding mobile game uh, and, and game broadly, more broadly, game approval process. Um, basically, what, what's happening now is that uh, there's a temporary suspension on the GAPP's monetization approval uh, so that uh, games without that license cannot really officially start monetization. And uh, that's mainly because of a restructuring of the officiating bodies uh, that uh, it's going at the senior government level. Um, so uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of games have not been approved. Now, uh, what, what's uh, happening is that uh, for the games that have been approved before, uh, they can still be launched and be monetized. And uh, as you can see, uh, we do have a lot of games in the pipeline which have been approved uh, for a monetization. So we have been launching games uh, with monetization. And uh, right now, uh, at least 15 games within our game portfolio have been approved uh, for normal monetization. Uh, now, with respect to new games, uh, the administration is also aware of the fact that because of the restructuring, uh, it's now affecting the industry as a whole. So um, the GAPP has set up a green approval process, which means that if you can go through that green channel, then you can actually have uh, one month uh, monetization testing. And that's acted as a relief for the entire industry. Now, unfortunately, uh, given the fact that our uh, PUBG Mobile games have already been launched and has reached a very significant size, we do actually need to go through the official JPP monetization approval process, which at this point in time, we don't have a visibility on when exactly it will restart yet. Uh, but uh, we are also aware of the fact that uh, the JPP is constructive in giving out this uh, temporary monetization period, which we hope uh, is an indication that the official approval process will start again. Now, uh, we'll be working very uh, diligently to uh, work with the government in order to get the approval of uh, PUBG Mobile uh, when the uh, monetization formal approval process restarts. So that's uh, really the situation at this point in time. Uh, we do believe uh, it's not a matter of uh, whether these games will be approved for monetization. It's uh, a matter of uh, when exactly we can actually do that. Eddie, on your second question about uh, video advertising revenue decelerating, yes, your, your inference is correct, actually, after a long period where our, uh, within our media revenue, our news-related revenue was extremely weak and our video ad revenue was, was extremely strong. You know, this quarter we saw a little bit of uh, reconvergence on both sides, so our video ad revenue decelerated. 
for a few reasons. One is that uh, we took the opportunity this quarter to really work on reducing the discounts offered to ad agencies, and you know, that actually had uh, some meaningful impact, which helped our video advertising gross margin uh, by percentage points, but, but didn't help our video advertising revenue. Uh, a second is that you know, some of the big content you, you alluded to, such as Produce 101, uh, while there's certainly advertising sponsorship around it, we also took the opportunity to use that popular content to drive our subscription revenue or our voting activities, which we're quite proud of because historically, as you know, uh, variety shows and so forth uh, don't really lend themselves to the subscription business model, but we think we've made some uh, progress on that front, which is important for the future. Big picture and stepping back, uh, we believe that our overall uh, video advertising revenue grew uh, probably similar to the industry growth rate in the second quarter, but our video subscription revenue we knew grew substantially faster than the industry at over 100% year on year. And so therefore in aggregate we believe that our video platform grew revenue faster than the video industry year on year. Well, last one I want to add is uh, uh, the Produce 101 and um, content such as Fuyao have uh, exceeded really the initial expectation, right? And uh, a lot of the advertising we sold was actually pre-sold. So uh, I would say uh, some of these content we under-monetize uh, compared to the actual result that we achieve. But you know, for Produce 101, that actually set up for um, much better monetization for next season. And the next question, please. Next question comes from the lights of Jim Yoon from Newsweek Research. Please ask a question. Hi, good evening, guys. Uh, I think on the gaming side, or overall deferred revenues were down about 10% uh, sequentially. If you could just kind of help us segregate that between what gaming and PC, uh, deferred, deferred revenues in PC gaming, or overall gaming in China looks like versus memberships and international business. And then my second question is, uh, James, I think you mentioned some uh, uh, growth prospects for newsfeed uh, uh, propelling. Can you just give us some operating metrics beyond that, perhaps MAU, DAUs, or even uh, ad loads? Thanks, guys. In terms of deferred revenue, uh, you're right that there are many moving parts inside that, including the uh, prepaid advertising, prepaid money subscriptions, the business cooperation agreement with monthly amortization, of course, and prepaid tokens and cards. Uh, deferred revenue uh, usually softens after peak season uh, for, for games, especially you know uh, for Q2 and Q4. For example, in quarter four 2017, the deferred revenue dropped by uh, roughly 3.5%. And out of the 9.5% drop, I would say that, you know, about 3.5% uh, more seasonal in nature as evidence in uh, the drop of about uh, the same percentage in quarter four of 2017. Uh, for the remaining about 6% uh, included about uh, 600 million uh, quarterly amortization for business cooperation agreement, which accounted for roughly 1.5%. The remainder, uh, say 4.5%, uh, 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 was attributable to uh, games and others. And for games, you know, uh, PC would have a much bigger impact than mobile. Uh, having said that, the year-on-year -year deferred revenue is uh, stable. 
So in terms of the media feeds, uh, in our prepared remarks, we, we did talk about our overall strategy. Uh, if you look at the, the reading activities, right, you know, within Weixin, we do have an e entire ecosystem based on official accounts. And that's something that we, for now, put aside, you know, because it, it is a very big ecosystem and it generates billions of, of page views every day and it has been very solid in terms of its overall performance in terms of time spent. But in addition to that, uh, we have been creating media feed products within each one of our large DAU products. So for example, within QQ, it's uh, QQ Candian. Uh, within QQ Browser, there is the news feed. Uh, these are for now the two largest news feed products for us. And within the media feed, um, we uh, try to put in different media formats, including news feed, including short videos, and over time, uh, mini videos. Uh, for now, the uh, metrics that we, we look at is that you know, usually what happens with these uh, media feeds integrated in, in, into our large DAU products is that they tend to have a pretty large DAU but usually uh, the, the users would read fewer um, uh, num number of PVs on average and number of VBs on average. Now, we have given you an aggregate number, which is for the two largest products, Candian and QQ Browser. The total daily page views uh, through these media feeds uh, is up 55% uh, year on year, and the total number of short videos view is up more than three times year on year. And in terms of the mini video, which is now curated by Weishu, it's also distributed through these media feeds. Uh, the, the first uh, and most advanced integration is actually through QQ Candian. And we can see there's a very strong traction in terms of the growth of the viewership on mini video in QQ Candian. And over time, we'll propagate that mini video feeds to other media feeds uh, in our products, including QQ Browser, Video, as well as uh, Weishin. Okay, and then next question, please. Next question comes from Gregory Chow from Barclays. Please ask a question. Uh, hi, management. Thanks for taking my question. The first question is to, uh, about your <coughs> advertising. So we see Tencent expand uh, more ad inventories during the quarter. So can you help us understand how would that affect the pricing of your uh, advertising going forward? At the same time, we also noted some other short video, social, and news apps such as Douyin, Weibo, Total, they also uh, substantially increase their ad inventory. So can you help us understand the potential impact to the overall the online uh, ad, uh, ad industry, the price trend, and also a very quick follow-up on gaming side. So the recent suspension of your the Monster Hunter, is that a, a one-off issue of gaming content, or is also a signal uh, of more uh, restriction from the government? Thank you. Well, in terms of the advertising, I would say uh, our advertising uh, inventories, we have been uh, pretty much very um, restrained, self-restrained in terms of putting out inventories. I think you know, uh, if you look at our, our social uh, product version uh, in the moment, we now have just expanded our inventory to two uh, advertising per day uh, on the maximum. And that's uh, a fraction of what uh, international competitive products or, or comparable products uh, are putting out. And even with our, within our new uh, media feeds business, uh, our uh, 
at rate uh, our, our at um, uh, inventory is actually only a fraction of uh, our uh, comparables. So uh, I think you know for our product, uh, the the advertising business is still very much inventory constrained, and the reason is that uh, of course we try to build our advertising business. Uh, on a consistent basis, and uh, with that, we want to make sure that we make the most and optimal uh, trade-off between user experience and also pricing and positioning of uh, the the advertising. And uh, we also try to make sure that the quality of the advertisers is high. So as you can see, we don't really have medical advertisers, and we don't really have P2P financial advertisers. And we also try to create this uh, 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 tightness so that we can uh, help the advertisers to put up better quality advertising. So I think you know they, they're, they're, uh, our, our entire advertising business is actually growing according to our own pace and it's less uh, affected by uh, what's happening in the overall performance ads industry. Uh, that was the case when there was a, um, search advertising, when there was uh, all kinds of different advertising, and that's still the case at this point in time. Now, in terms of Monster Hunter, I would say uh, it is really a one-off event. Uh, the key reason is that uh, we have gotten the approval, actually, to uh, launch Monster Hunter with monetization. And uh, what happened was uh, the content eventually delivered by the developer was actually uh, not that does not completely comply with the regulatory requirement, and as a result, uh, we have to suspend the sales of uh, the co uh, the content, and uh, we need to adjust the content uh, alongside with the developer in order to prepare it for uh, approval in the future. Uh, you know, we if through this process uh, we have uh, you know established a tighter communication with the. Uh, relevant government officials and uh, regulatory body, and we hope this is something that uh, uh, will improve our uh, process going forward. And next question, please. Next question comes from Natalie Wu from CICC. Please ask a question. Hi, good evening. Thanks for taking my question. I have two here. Uh, firstly, I saw very decent growth for the active user of your uh, League of Legends. Just wondering what's the major constraints for the growth of its revenue? Is it mainly related with those real skin reserves in, in that game? Uh, if yes, so uh, when shall we expect to see a meaningful improvement for that? And secondly, can you give us some color on the current uh, current contribution for uh, commercial payment and uh, interest income in other revenues item? And uh, should we assume the interest income item to uh, finally go to zero if the centralized deposit ratio goes up to 100%? Thank you. Yeah, so with the I think your, your first question was around League of Legends, and um, you know, we've seen some, uh, as we mentioned in the prepared remarks, we've seen a nice upsurge in interest in the, in the last couple of months for League of Legends, especially in China, which may reflect a degree of patriotism around a, a Chinese team winning a, a global event in, in, in the esports. 
So that's exciting for us. Uh, on the monetization side, you know, outside China, the game's revenue was, was actually uh, fractionally up year on year last quarter. Uh, but inside China, the game's revenue have, has uh, been um, a little bit weaker since the fourth quarter of 2017. And you know, that reflects the phenomenon you mentioned of seeking to replenish our rest in reserves and so forth. Uh, in terms of how quickly we will reverse that phenomenon, uh, Obviously, it's a work in progress. Uh, obviously, that the comps get a little bit easier toward the end of this year. But I would also say that as we look at the success of other free-to-play PC games globally, such as uh, you know Fortnite, that we've really been positively surprised by the willingness of, of uh, players of these free-to-play games to participate in voluntary monthly subscription services. I, I know it sounds a little bit of a contradiction in terms that someone would choose to subscribe to something for which they don't need to subscribe. But if you put the right content and the right concepts into the, the season passes, uh, then, then actually uh, you know, that's a very good take-up uh, for, for the season passes in certain environments. So that's a, a positive sign as well. Yeah, in terms of uh, the deposit interest, uh, right now uh, in this current quarter, it accounts for uh, uh, low teens percentage of our others' revenue. Uh, and the way to think about it is that um, we have already had 42% of the uh, deposit uh, taken away. The interest is already taken away, and uh, we have another 58% to go. And uh, the schedule, as uh, announced by PBOC, is that uh, it will be pretty much evenly distributed for the next six months. Uh, for that uh, 58%. So by January of 2019, the entire deposit will be taken away. Now, uh, as uh, John has talked about in the prepared remarks, uh, we uh, would uh, try to mitigate some of these impacts uh, by uh, more efficiently managing some of the uh, marketing costs that we have because you know, we are spending actually a lot of money on marketing our payment platform. And as you can see, uh, there's a very strong growth uh, in our payment uh, platform, especially with respect to offline commercial transactions, partly because of the strength of the platform itself, but also partly because of the marketing program. And uh, given the loss of the uh, interest, uh, we'll try to uh, optimize the marketing plan and uh, try to pick up the ones that are more efficient. Uh, and at the same time, we feel that we can also, over time, uh, deliver more financial services uh, to some of the merchants uh, that are connected by our payment platform. Um, as uh, you can see from the uh, prepared remarks, our commercial transactions, especially on the offline side, have increased very significantly. And that means uh, our payment platform is now connecting to millions of offline merchants. And we believe that this is, these are very, very important assets for us. Over time, we can deliver uh, transaction-based services to them, including financial transactions, uh, as well as advertising transactions. So uh, those are things that uh, we'll be doing over time. Now, the way I look at uh, this um, uh, loss of interest income is that it's, of course, a very painful uh, event, right? Uh, and uh, we are halfway through. We'll try to mitigate part of the other half and uh, uh, you know, once it's all done, then basically it becomes a one-time event, and it will not affect the trend line of the growth of our payment business. Thank you. And the next question, please. Next question comes from Alicia Yap from Citigroup. Please ask a question. 
Hi, um, good evening, management. Thanks for taking my questions. I um, have a couple questions. Uh, the first one, I uh, wanted to look at, when we look at the various initiatives that management uh, put together uh, on the preparing market uh, to revive the growth for the gaming business, uh, for short term, um, such as like 3Q, uh, which initiative will be the biggest driver? Uh, will that be the enhancing uh, monetizations of existing games such as Honors of King be the biggest driver, or will that be the new revenue contribution uh, from your newly launched games? And if you look back um, six months ago, uh, do you think that the company or management uh, will still go ahead uh, to launch the two PUBG um, mobile games knowing that um, monetization may come later, or will you actually consider uh, waiting the launch for PUBG till the latest stage? Uh, for second questions, on the advertising opportunity related to mini games, uh, could you help us, uh, sorry, mini program, uh, could you help us understand a bit um, among the different industry vertical, is that fair to say uh, most of the incremental uh, advertising revenue uh, would come from the traditional retail and the local services brands and merchants? Uh, if not, um, any major vertical that you could highlight? And um, could you help us frame the market size for that? Thank you. Perhaps I'll try to tackle the first question and uh, pass the on to Martin for the yes. second and third. So I think the first question was around uh, you know, which of the initiatives that we're now undertaking in our mobile game business to reinvigorate growth will, will bear fruit in the third quarter. And I, I think that you know, sometimes these initiatives uh, you know, take some period of time, and period of time could be months, could be quarters to, 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 to bear fruit. But in general, we're, we're optimistic that they will bear fruit as we move into next year. Uh, just running down one level, I'd also you know, having had some um, understanding of, of you know the concern that investors have about the, the, the uh, second quarter results, I, I think that um, one aspect that may not be, be as well understood as it might is that really during the first half of this year, for whatever reason, we didn't release as many successful you know high ARPU games as we had in previous periods, and you know that's why I called out that in July and August. You know, we've released a number of high ARPU games in categories like uh, role-playing games, card games, and you know those games, at least initially, uh, appear to be off to a relatively healthy start. So, uh, as well as the you know, much debated you know, monetization of tactical tournament games issue, that there is also some uh, you know, short-term volatility in terms of the you know, cadence of the balance between higher ARPU and lower ARPU games. And as Martin said, we we have. Um, over a dozen uh, mobile games that have already secured monetization approval, and you know, some of those will be in these uh, higher output categories. And with that, I'll pass to Martin. Yeah, with respect to the game business, right now, I would just say um, my observation is that uh, the gaming fundamental is, is actually as strong as it has been, because if you look at uh, our DAU in China, it has a very solid growth compared to last year. Uh, we have really uh, become the category leader in tactical tournament, which six months ago it was not very apparent. It was a very big segment with uh, another game which has taken the lead. But you know, within the past six months, we have taken a complete uh, lead over over that genre. And it doesn't really stop in China. Uh, if you look uh, around the world, we have also expanded our presence outside of China. 
uh, part of it is through Epic, uh, which has become the uh, the, the biggest uh, category winner uh, in this tactical tournament uh, uh, genre in in the Western world. Uh, and at the same time, if you look at our own developed games, both AOV and uh, PUBG Mobile has achieved more than 15 million DAU outside of China, which is a very significant achievement. It also marks a significant uh, step for us to expand our gaming business outside of China. Uh, so. You know, all these operating metrics you know, are very strong. Uh, the only problem that we have is actually for uh, one of our bigger ga biggest game, PUBG Mobile, it's not monetizing. Uh, and uh, I, I think this is something which is a little bit out of the control, uh, but over time I think you will be able to solve it. Now, with respect to mini programs, I think um, it, it's really a uh, overall ecosystem in which we are trying to connect uh, our users with many different types of offline activities. And a lot of these are transaction-based. A lot of these would not even get the chance of uh, getting the online engagement uh, if there's no mini program. Uh, because you know, if you really need to uh, download an app, most of the users will be gone. But uh, because of the availability of mini programs, uh, many of these connections are made. Yes, uh, a lot of the co uh, connection is actually between uh, offline and online, uh, and a lot of it is uh, due to uh, the, the retail uh, industry. But I, I think you know, there's also a lot other uh, interactions too, right? For example, uh, through retail, we are also going to touch upon brands. Uh, we find that a lot of brands uh, are, are uh, looking at mini program as a way for them to engage with their users. And even though they are not directly having a retail relationship uh, in-store, uh, the brands want to touch a point, uh, their customers. They want to understand who are their customers. And uh, uh, through mini program, in the past they were not able to do it, now they are able to do it. Uh, so I think uh, mini programs really help uh, one, uh, all kinds of different services to uh, reach their users uh, online. And, and two is whenever they have a, a you know, a point of contact, be it offline or online, they can have uh, an, an additional transaction or additional action that uh, can be taken by the users. And thirdly, mini program also allows a lot of social sharing of different kind of interaction. Uh, so it allows word of mouth to be spread for different services and brands. And the next question, please. Next question comes from Wendy Huang from Macquarie. Please ask a question. Uh, thank you. Uh, my first question is about the uh, earnings growth outlook. Uh, so this quarter, the uh, revenue growth dropped to only 30%, probably the lowest in the past three years, and yet the operating profit growth was only uh, 20%. So you mentioned a lot about uh, the uh, launching of the high up games and it was a mini program to be a structural driver uh, in the future. Uh, I just wonder, when should we expect uh, those things to really bring the earnings growth back to above the 30% level, or uh, with a, a temporary hiccup in the uh, game business and with some uh, macro handwinds where you control the cost, such as the GMA, to assure better uh, earnings growth? Um, and secondly, can you give us uh, some clarification uh, around the uh, Fortnite 
So whether the Fortnite uh, PC uh, has already obtained the monetization approval, and also uh, what's the progress of the uh, Fortnite uh, mobile's uh, development. Uh, if the um, uh, Fortnite mobile is to be launched in the future, does it require separate approval uh, from the PC version or not? Thank you. Okay, well, I, I think, um, well, from a revenue growth perspective, um, the gaming sector is one key area uh, of weakness. And uh, as we have said, uh, a big part of it is because the, our biggest game is not monetizable. And I think uh, it, the growth will return when uh, it is monetizable. So, you know, it, it's an event that uh, we're working very hard uh, toward. And of course, in the meantime, there are a lot of things that we'll be doing in order to uh, uh, try to uh, mitigate the, the problem. But now I think you know the biggest uh, issue is really you know trying to monetize our biggest game. Uh, and at the same time, when we talk about you know higher APU games, and when we talk about expanding our presence outside of China and trying to monetize better there, I think there's a number of different measures that we can uh, try to grow our business as well. Um, in terms of, uh, I would say, uh, what, what, what's the next question? Fortnite, right? For, for Fortnite, the uh, current situation is that uh, the PC version of Fortnite has already received uh, the Ministry of Culture and Tourism approval, so we can launch the game. Um, we are not right now applying for the Green uh, Channel approval for monetization for one month uh, with GAPP before. Um, any game can be approved for formal monetization. That's still ongoing. And uh, if and when we get that approval, then we can start monetizing. Uh, so far, I think you know when we look at uh, Fortnite's pre-registration and also you know in the beta testing, the uh, uh, the, the rate of people's uh, uh, response is actually pretty good. Now, with respect to the mobile game, uh, we do need to have a separate approval process uh, for the mobile game, which uh, will follow after we have launched uh, the PC version of Fortnite. So just to supplement, Martin, on uh, the first question, and, and you know, specifically around um, the uh, relatively slow earnings growth, you know, as Martin had mentioned earlier, there's a couple of substantial factors which are temporarily impacting our earnings growth, which you know, one can try to quantify, and one is the uh, non-monetization of the tactical tournament games, which you know, we believe could be very substantial based on what we already see internationally and based on, on industry logic. And then the second one is the fact that we're halfway through this process of losing the interest in income on the uh, deposits, uh, which, uh, you know, again, we're halfway through that process. We think we'll find some offsets as we work through the second half of that process, and that's a finite one-time process. Next question, please. Next question comes from Han Jun Kim from Deutsche Bank. Please ask a question. Great. Uh, thank you very much for the chance to ask questions. Um, I just wanted to differentiate the, the, the publishing of games in China. So what goes on to WeGames and what goes on to kind of direct publishing into China and how we should think about the uh, evolution of uh, or growth of WeGames going forward. And um, the, the second question is, I think we've introduced the Battle Pass to our PUBG global version. And um, just kind of wanted to get your impression on how you see the evolution and adoption um, of that Battle Pass relative to Fortnite success. So 
Um, I, my understanding is the ranking is a bit lower, so the impression is that the paying adoption rate for PUBG Mobile is lower, so just trying to understand um, the relativity of that context. Yeah, so let me try to answer both of those. So first, with regards to what we would publish versus what we would um, sort of platform through through the WeGame platform, you know, I think that simplistically, in the past, one could have said that for a, a, a game of, of you know a massively multiplayer characteristics, then uh, you know our first instinct would be to try to publish it ourselves because there's a great deal of local expertise that requires local optimization that's required uh, and local customization uh, that means uh, you know simply copy pasting translating and, and tweaking is, is not sufficient to, to make the game be all that it can be in China and you know when we look back I think a great part of the success of products like uh, you know dungeon fighter which is multiplayer you know League of Legends which is multiplayer crossfire which is multiplayer uh, you know, all imported games, all games that we publish ourselves in China have grown on to, to great success uh, due to the fact that they're great product, but also the fact that we've uh, taken on hand the publishing. Uh, so that's a typical classic uh, you know, direct publishing experience. Now, for games which are more you know, single-player in nature, perhaps more narratively driven in nature, then historically they might make more sense to put on a, a Steam Night platform or, or on a Wii game platform. And you know, that's uh, initially the pattern that the first successful games on Wii Game were, were products like Don't Starve, which were relatively uh, you know, simpler in nature, required relatively less local optimization. Uh, Monster Hunter World is a really interesting hybrid in that it, it does have uh, a relatively strong narrative, uh, but at the same time, it's a game that people generally play on a cooperative basis. Um, so so it, it's a cooperative player versus environmental, player versus gigantic fire-breathing monster experience. Uh, and you know, as such, uh, you know, the, the interest that our users had in it was extremely encouraging for the future. It's just unfortunate that now we need to you know, tweak the product a little more to, so we can provide it to our users. Uh, so that's in terms of the um, Wii game versus direct publishing paths. Uh, in terms of the battle pass monetization for PUBG Mobile, uh, you know, we're pretty happy. It's early days. I, I would say that um, PUBG Mobile, you know, as the name suggests, is a mobile game versus you know, Fortnite is, is console, PC, and mobile. And you know, my guess is that because console is, because Fortnite is console plus PC, it's tapping into uh, you know some younger users who historically might have had a habit of buying X number of um, package software per year. And you know now that they're willing to redirect some of that money into into the monthly subscription service, versus because PUBG Mobile is only mobile, then the users are generally comparing it with uh, you know Clash of Clans or, or Candy Crush, where, where they they don't historically have a habit of, of buying uh, you know a dozen package software each year. So in that sense, you know I, I think that we will see, we are seeing, and we should expect to see uh, a slower build of the monthly pass, uh, battle pass revenue in a product like PUBG versus the, the uh, really excellent, outstanding process, progress that uh, Epic have made with uh, Fortnite, or, or for that matter, that Electronic Arts have made with the FIFA games. Thank you. And due to the time constraint, we will take the last three questions from the floor. The last three questions comes from the line of Karen Chan from Jeffries. 
Please ask a question. Um, thank you very much for taking my question. So uh, my first question is, um, how much of a pipeline buffer do we have until we get more visibility on uh, resumption of new license approval? Um, does the 15 uh, games in the pipeline that we have already secured license, um, does that include recently launched titles like MT4? In other words, will that impact any uh, new high ARPU mobile game title launch in fourth quarter? Um, and also on the PC front, uh, you mentioned that we are in the process of applying for Green Channel for a one-month uh, monetization testing on PC Fortnite. I'm just wondering, uh, at earliest, uh, do we expect some sort of monetization contribution in, in the fourth quarter? Um, thank you very much. Yeah, I think you know, we gave a figure for, for the number of uh, mobile games in our pipeline that have already a secured approval, and, and you know, obviously that figure would include a mix of different kinds of games. And so I suppose if you want to look at it from a buffer perspective, that then one can. You know, I think that in terms of um, Fortnite PC, uh, the green channel, uh, you know, the, the point we were alluding to is, is that you know, the approval process for Fortnite PC is, is you know, different from, and to some extent, more in line with historic norms than the approval process for the PUBG games. And so therefore, um, you know, while it's hard to you know, forecast exact approval process, given some of the changes in, in, in the regulatory environment, uh, at the same time, we think that's um, you know, an approval process that should be more consistent with historical norms, particularly, as Martin said, since we have the Ministry of Culture approval already, and historically, the time lag between Ministry of Culture and GAPP approvals is, is relatively shorter. Next question, please. Next question comes from Grace Chen from Morgan Stanley. Please ask a question. Um, hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you uh, for taking my question. My question, uh, let me switch the gear to your cloud business. Uh, which has been growing very fast. Uh, in the press release, you talk about Tencent will continue to grow the cloud business through organic growth as well as collaboration and investment opportunities. Uh, can you elaborate about your plan for collaboration, uh, especially we've been seeing some news about your collaboration with some international players such as uh, Google? Thank you. Yeah, in terms of the cloud business, it has been growing very fast. and. Uh, uh, we, when we talk about the collaboration, we're more talking about building an ecosystem of uh, system integrators as well as um, uh, developers who have specific expertise so that they can develop using our cloud solution. So uh, as you can see in uh, you know, some of the announcements, we actually have invested in a number of different system integrators uh, within different vertical industries so that uh, when they design uh, in their solution for their customers, they can actually leverage uh, Tencent Cloud and they can convert some of their existing customers from using uh, packaged software into a SaaS solution and then uh, move them onto Tencent Cloud. So that's uh, the cooperation that we are talking about. And uh, I think you know, overall, uh, it, it has been going quite smoothly. Now, of course, with some international partners, uh, there also exist such opportunities, right? You know, there are companies uh, who have customers who need exposure to China, and uh, we uh, could pr provide a solution that uh, can help them. So, 
uh, in those cases, we'll also collaborate with uh, the international partners. Okay, and the last question, please. The last question comes from John Choi from Daiwa Capital Market. Please ask a question. Um, thanks for taking my question. Um, I just have a quick question on your um, PUBG Mobile. Like, assuming um, the approval goes through, um, you know, do you guys have in a sense how, like, how, how big this monetization opportunity could be, given that um, I think someone asked uh, that the you know, Battle Pass and uh, other um, initiatives in overseas market has been falling a bit short. So you know, are, are we quite confident that this PUBG, if the monetization goes through, that it will kind of meet um, internal expectation? And secondly, um, just quickly on the PC game growth, I, I know that uh, you know, we had a great year last year, but we've clearly seen some slowdown. Uh, for the you know remaining part of the year, and as we go into 2019 with the new Wii game on platform, you know how, what kind of growth should we be expecting? Thank you. So, John, in terms of your um, first question on the PUBG Mobile monetization, you know we're pretty optimistic if we're you know, permitted to monetize, then we'll achieve healthy monetization. That optimism is founded on first the a very large DAU base and, and the very high engagement per DAU. Uh, secondly, the, the in, uh, you know, intense sort of competition, but also cooperation within the game, which historically is a good leading indicator of, of monetization. And thirdly, uh, the global experience of um, you know, games such as uh, PUBG itself, but also um, Fortnite, in which, as you know, we're, we're a substantial shareholder via Epic. Um, I didn't quite understand your comment about PUBG Mobile international revenue um, underperforming. We're actually quite you know, pleased with the early round, and given the fact that it's very unusual for us to monetize the game first outside China, I think this is probably this is sort of unprecedented in our history. And you, know, you can see that it is a top 50 game by revenue ranking in many key markets, including the United States, uh, and a top uh, you know, two or three game by revenue ranking in, in some big markets, big emerging markets, including India. So overall, we're pretty happy with uh, PUBG Mobile progress outside China. We think if we could monetize inside China, then, then you know, we would do so at a decent level. Uh, and then, sorry, your, your second question was around the PC the, the PC game uh, revenue growth in the future. I think that um, with, with mobile game, we can point very clearly to uh, certain specific headwinds that we believe can be uh, overcome with time. And you know, therefore, we believe that uh, our 19% you know, sequential deceleration in mobile game revenue should not be you know, representative of the, the long-term forward trend for our mobile game business. I think for PC game business, you know, that is a fundamentally more mature um, industry. And you know, therefore, we should be uh, relatively conservative in our expectations for 2019 and beyond. But you know, what's interesting is if you look at um, results from other game companies, if you look at commentary from NVIDIA, uh, then you know, the PC game industry globally is actually not, not a sunset industry at all. It, it you know, continues to uh, gradually expand. And, and you know, I think the difference between China and the rest of the world is that uh, in China, the innovation in games is very much focused on mobile games versus in the rest of the world, there continues to be a decent amount of innovation uh, around uh, console and PC, and you know, that innovation is ultimately what drives the game industry revenue growth year to year, uh, even more than you know, macro trends or installed base. And so you know, the, the fact that our you know, Wii game platform is bringing some of these innovative products to China, the fact that consumers are willing to pay 200, 300 renminbi up front for these innovative products, 
you know, I think speaks well for, for you know, a, a stable rather than permanently declining PC game industry in the long, long term. Thank you. And we are closing the call now. If you wish to check out our press release and other financial information, please visit the IR section of our company website. And the replay of this webcast will also be available soon. Thank you and see you next quarter. That does conclude our conference for today. Thank you for participating Tencent Holdings Limited 2018 second quarter and interim results conference call. You may all disconnect now.